but before we um, get started, I just wanted to honor and thank um, Peter, who's doing screens today. Um, he did, does, has done sound and screens and helped out on the tech team for years. It's actually his last Sunday today helping and sort of with us at Rivers. He's been going to Bridgie as well, which has been awesome, and helping out with them in the city too, and has, um, yeah, just going to kind of focus his attention there, which is really cool. So I just want to bless you, Peter, and yeah, we just really want to thank you so much. Yeah, I hope we'll get to see you around sometime soon as well still. Cool. So uh, we're actually going to start a new series today, um, which is called Confidence in Complex Times. Um, and we're actually going to go through Psalm 139 over, I think, about four or five weeks, kind of similar to what we did last year. Um, we went through Psalm 145 around this time of year last year. We're going to do the same thing this year, so we're going to read it out each week. We'll read the same psalm. I encourage you just throughout the week to maybe just be reading Psalm 139 and, and meditating on it. It's a really famous, beautiful psalm. It's actually been speaking to me a lot recently, especially since becoming a dad and um, yeah, but I think it's also really relevant just to sort of where we're at in, um, in the world and kind of where things are um, at the moment, because increasingly, right, the world is, is more and more complex. Um, I follow uh, Mark Sayers a lot. He's a pastor in Melbourne, and um, he, he pastors the Church of Christ there, but he's also a cultural commentator and does podcasts and is interviewed by people all around the world. He just sees cultural trends and has this great perspective on the world and what's happening. And he's talked about the fact that the world is increasingly what he calls a networked age. That it's no longer an industrial age, but moved into a networked age because everything is just so connected. And it's interesting, his perspective is actually that, uh, I guess people sort of think that COVID is, is the, the cause of all the chaos in the world in some ways, and there's truth in that. He actually says it's actually more a symptom of just how connected and networked and just how much the world has changed. The world has changed so much and is so globally connected, and the fact that a, a virus can spread so quickly into a global pandemic is actually a, a symptom of this world. And he says that a networked world is a complex world. Um, sometimes we can see things that are just complicated, right? Like a factory is quite complicated. A, a car factory has lots of different parts and lots of different things. It's complicated, but it actually has kind of a linear progression. Like this part goes here and this part goes there. You put it all together and you get a car. He says that's complicated. A network, though, and a, and a network with multiple parts, and you change one thing and it can change everything else, is not complicated. It's actually complex. And it's actually very difficult to predict things. And we even see this in the world, that people can't predict what's going to happen. And we've experienced that personally even um, as at the moment, right? We can't actually predict or know whether we're going to be able to gather next week. Like, like things could change so quickly. And we've kind of adapted to that, and that's kind of just life now. But it's also just really strange. Like, it was strange... Yesterday, I was having breakfast and watching the press conference, wondering if there's going to be a lockdown, and I, I said to Tam afterwards, this is weird, that like, it's a normal thing to watch a press conference to check whether everything's going to be shut down. Like, that's just life now. <laughs> like, and, and life is complex in that sense. Um, it's uncertain. It's, it's hard to make plans. Um, it's hard to travel. There's, there's a whole lot of difficulty with that. And not surprisingly, that has caused... Um, inner turmoil for people in terms of the uncertainty can be overwhelming. The, the state of the world can be overwhelming, can create fear and anxiety. But we are called to be people 
who are confident, um, which means to be people with faith, to have confidence in God, even in the midst of complex times. And I think this Psalm 139 um, is just a beautiful prayer of David that I think that we can use as a tool to speak to our hearts and connect us to God in complex times so that we can be people who have confidence. Um, so I'm just going to pray briefly, and then we're just going to go through just the first, I think, six or so verses today. Um, so Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this morning. Thank you how you do know us and you hear us. And yeah, we just know that you understand what's going on in the world and the, the challenges that are there, but we just ask that you'd make us people who have confidence in you. Just ask you to speak to our hearts and restore our faith this morning in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so let's just go through this first verse. David's prayer. It's a beautiful prayer, Psalm 139. David starts by saying, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Just going to stop there to start with. I'm just going to go through a little bit at a time. Uh, before we actually start to really look at what David's saying, it's just noteworthy, I think, that in this psalm, David speaks to God. Right? He's going he's gonna to declare all these things about God soon, about how much God knows him and is with him and all these things. But, but he's not talking about God. He's talking to God. He addresses God. You have searched me, Lord Yahweh. He uses God's name, and you know me. Th David's having this personal prayer and interaction with God, not talking about him, but to him. I think straight off, one thing that we can be doing to have confidence is to be continually engaging personally with God in prayer. Um, this is a simple reminder, right? It's, it's something that most probably are already doing, but I think it's just worth reminding us and, 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 and um, yeah, just, encu just encouragement to continue to engage personally with God. It's easy to say things, maybe we look at the world, it's easy to say things like, God, well, God is in control, and that's true, and it's good to say that, but there's just something different when it's not a statement or it's not about God, but it's to God. God, you are in control. There's a heart connection. There's an engagement with Him personally. He actually invites us to share our hearts with Him personally. He, he's the Creator God, right? He's, he's the transcendent King, but He's also a Father. He's also a friend. We have His Spirit who's a comforter and a counselor, and we can actually just person. God calls us and wants us to engage personally with Him. There's this great verse in Psalm 62, which is another great psalm. Verse 8 says, Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is a refuge. For, for God is our refuge. And there's a place for all types of prayer. There's a place for formal prayers. There's a pla place for written prayers. There's, there's, it's great to be praying for other people and maybe even have lists and, and needs to bring before. But I just encourage you, if you're not already, to just spend times where you pour your heart to God, where you just share your heart with God. And he knows, but there's something powerful about telling him, like just, just letting it out, because he listens, and he cares, and he knows. And this, this takes time. It takes um, maybe sometimes having a bit more space, probably takes being alone, and may take some time to get used to. I just encourage you, especially if there's things weighing on your heart, 
to engage personally with God. Just start to tell God about them like you would tell a friend who you need support with. Tell your Lord. Engage personally. David goes on and then starts to tell God all the things that God knows (laughs) and just about how great God is. He says this, You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. He's addressing God and telling God about how great God's intimate and extensive knowledge is of Him. And again, there's something powerful about saying it back to God in prayer and praise. And and, um, it's easy just to kind of read these verses quickly. I'm going to try and be fairly fairly brief today, but these are verses worth actually meditating on and actually thinking about just the profound thing that David is saying about God, that God actually knows everything. And again, right, that's kind of theology 101. God is omniscient is the word, right? God knows everything. But, but this is not saying that God is a big database <laughs> or that God is like some scanner computer that can just suck information in and just knows all the information, but it's completely impersonal. It's actually that God knows everything about you, but he knows it because it's personal. It's actually because he sees you and he pays attention. The words that David uses around perceive and discern and you searched me, it's like this idea of God's watching him and he's attentive to him and that's how he knows all about him. So God is watching David. He's watching you all the time and actually therefore knows every single thing, even thoughts, actions, where you've been, where you're going, even what you'll say before you'll say it, he knows. And for some people, like I guess that's another way of saying there's absolutely no privacy with God, right? <laughs> like, which privacy can be a good thing, right? Like often people want to be private with other people. Like it's a bit uncomfortable if someone could see all your thoughts and know everything about you. Like th- that's why we have privacy things and that's why we have confidentiality because people could misuse information if they have about us so we want to protect. But the invitation is that we don't need to protect from him. He knows, and he's good, and he cares, and he's not going to exploit. He actually knows us deeply, and actually, I think there's a desire in our hearts, yes, to be safe, but also to be deeply known and loved and cared for. So in complex times, we can take comfort that he knows you intimately. He sees it all. And when we live in a world where we don't know what will happen next, we can take comfort in the fact that he does. He knows exactly what will happen next. He is not surprised about that incredibly complex world we live in. Is nothing to him. And in the midst of all of that, billions of people and stuff and world events, he knows you. And he knows everything about you. And he knows you intimately and personally. And he sees you. And it's amazing. It's like um, a child um, who ch- children want to be seen, right? Like they want their parents to look at them and, and even like want their attention all the time. And that can be difficult for parents to be continually giving attention to a kid, especially if there's multiple kids. But God has no problem giving attention to every single one of his children all the time. So his attention is always on us. 
And there's a comfort in knowing that He sees. He's, he's watching. I mean, there's, there's a challenge in that as well, that He sees all the time. So there's an accountability, but there's also a comfort in that He sees and He knows and He loves. Because it's not just that He sees and knows, but He cares. David says that in verse 5. He says, You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hands upon me. This is this picture of protection and care. The word hem there is actually, it's like a siege, like being besieged, like, like surrounded and protected. It's kind of like this military term, but David's using it as like a safety. God surrounds him. He says, you surround me behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. The way I picture this, I've just been thinking like when Ali is asleep and is upset, we'll just go in and I'll put my hand on her. And then as I've been reading this psalm, I've just been reading this verse and thinking, this is what the Lord does, right? We're upset. He puts his hand on us. There's, there's a comfort that actually he's present. He's there. And it's not just that he knows you intimately. He also cares deeply. He's actually one who knows and one who cares. And as we've said before, this doesn't mean that difficulties won't happen, right? doesn't mean that things won't go wrong, because plenty of things went wrong for David, lots and lots. Um, but in the midst of it, there's a comfort that actually God will protect and stop things from coming in. And even if they do, He will protect in the midst of it. He'll be present in the midst of the struggle. And often, we want God to take away the struggles, and that's totally valid. But often, in the midst of difficulty and pain and struggle, what we need is comfort. We need to know that somebody knows and cares. Actually, sometimes like a child can be freaking out, right? And you don't have to necessarily give them what they want, but they need comfort. They need to know that you know that you care, that you're looking after them. I experienced this um, last year. Um, just went through a season of where I was struggling a fair bit. Um, some things going on that I was finding hard and just went through a season of praying and, and seeking God more for, for an answer and kind of what to do. And all I really got was felt like he said to me that he knows about the thing, he cares, and that he's working. And nothing really changed, but that was fine. It was good. Like, that, that's what I needed. And again, that's in the Bible. Like, I knew that, right? But, but it felt like he was saying it to me personally. He's aware. He cares. He's working. So it's okay. Because um, when we're afraid, often we want to fix, we want to control, want to get out. But actually, there's an invitation, especially in a world that's complex, that's uncontrollable, like trying to control it is going to be bad. There's an invitation instead to rest in the fact that He cares and knows us deeply. It's easy to be overwhelmed at the moment by the news, by the struggles, by the world. But David, in this prayer of praise and an intimate relationship with God becomes overwhelmed with God. He says it like this in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. He's been thinking about and meditating about just how much God knows, and then he says it's too wonderful. It's such an amazing thing. It's almost like he can't handle it trying to think about that the vastness of God's intimate knowledge. I think it's, it's, it's a great thing to actually meditate on. I was thinking about it this week when Jesus says God cares for birds, right? God cares for flowers. If God has that kind of attention to his creation, 
How much more attention does he have to us? Jesus says God knows irrelevant details in our lives, like how many hairs are on our head. If he knows irrelevant details in our life, how much more does he know the big things and know exactly what's going on in our hearts and in our families? He knows the, our needs. He sees us. And, and the invitation is actually, when you actually start to think about that, to actually start to meditate on it and let it kind of blow your mind, like just how vast that is, that we could actually be overwhelmed with his greatness rather than with the world's complexity. It's not good to be overwhelmed with the world, right? Like that, that, that creates fear, it creates uncertainty. We need to be informed, but it's good to be overwhelmed by God. It's good to be overwhelmed with just how great his knowledge and care and attention is. Um, Spurgeon, on this verse, kind of paraphrases it and, and expands on it a bit. Charles Spurgeon says it, what David said, he says it like this, I cannot grasp it. I can hardly endure to think of it. The theme overwhelms me. I'm amazed and astounded at it. Such knowledge not only surpasses my comprehension, but even my imagination. That God's knowledge of him, God's knowledge of the world is so great, it's even beyond what we could even imagine it to be. And if we meditate on that, we can actually let that overwhelm us and fill us, and that can fill us, if he's our God, with incredible confidence and peace. There is nobody like him. He's in a totally different category. He's not at all like us. He's, he says it in, in Isaiah 55, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You think, if you actually start to think about just how much he knows, it's like, who is he? How could he know all of that? He's infinite. There's nobody like him. He's amazing. And the encouragement that we have is at all times, particularly in complex times, is that we can actually engage with that God personally because he has attention on us. We can take comfort that he knows us intimately and he cares deeply and let ourselves be overwhelmed by him. And Jesus lived this, right? Like Jesus lived with this kind of knowledge of God the Father, right? just how much he's present and attentive and loves and cares. And Jesus engaged personally with his Father regularly. He would go away by himself and pour his heart out and pray about what was happening. He knew God knew his needs and cared. He did not worry. He lived in worship of God. He was not overwhelmed, um, but trusted and did the Father's will. And one story, when Jesus followers are overwhelmed by a storm. Jesus is not overwhelmed by the storm. He's asleep, and then he calms the storm, and then his question to his followers is, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And it's kind of like an obvious question why they're afraid, like there's a crazy storm, and they're about to die, right? But, but Jesus is operating from this perspective of just who God is, and if God is who he says he is, if he, know, he knows and cares about the storm, Jesus knows and cares about the storm, so why are you afraid? There's, there's nothing to be afraid of. The, the problem is that they actually don't believe that Jesus knows and cares about the storm. So if we find ourselves overwhelmed and, and afraid, the, the way to respond is not by trying to control and fix the storm. <laughs> the way is to realize, actually, maybe we've lost faith. And if we're afraid, we need to restore our faith that actually he knows and he cares. And actually, there's nothing to be afraid of. If that's who God is, 
There's nothing to be afraid of. doesn't mean we won't feel fear, but we don't need to give in to it. We're actually invited to confidence in Him in the midst of it. So we're going to sing in a moment. Maybe the band could um, come back up and, and just going to lead in prayer as we respond. Like I said, I just encourage you over the next few weeks to engage with this psalm, to engage in prayer. Um, if you're feeling overwhelmed, to, to, to come and, and put your attention on Him and His care for you. But even just today, maybe there's something at the moment that, that is weighing you down, um, that's on your mind, um, something you're worried about, maybe that you can talk to others about, maybe you can't talk to anybody about, but you can talk to Him about it. He, he already knows, and He wants you to talk to Him about it, and He wants you to bring it before Him. And you may say, well, He already knows, I don't need to. But there's something powerful about telling Him and actually bringing it to Him and actually engaging personally and actually in prayer recognizing He knows and He cares. So I just invite you as I pray maybe to even bring that to Him today. We just thank You so much, Father, that You are Creator God, Eternal God. We thank You and praise You for Your knowledge, Lord. We cannot comprehend or even imagine just how great your knowledge is even just for one person, let alone for billions of people, <laughs> let alone for every second of every day, even thoughts and words that are unsaid and unspoken. You, you know, you see, you're present and attentive toward us. We just ask that that would be a deep comfort to us today, Lord, that you don't only know, but you care. You place your hand upon us. God, we just bring our worries. Thank you that you encourage us to bring them to you. you. You long for us to bring them to you and to talk to you. Just ask for grace with anything that's, that's wearing us down today. This anxiety, fear, worry. We thank you that we have open communication with you because of your son, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. Just ask that today, even God, you'd open us, open our hearts in prayer. Make us people of confidence and connection with you, Jesus. We just honor you today in your name. Amen. So we are about to sing that song, as Tim said. We're going to sing in confidence. We're going to sing a song called We Praise You. We've been a little bit reflective through this service, but now's the time to actually stand and sing with that absolute everything in us. We praise you. There's um, In the chorus, it talks about this is what heaven's... Um, sounds like I'm going to get I'm saying deliberately the words back backwards this is not exactly how we're going to sing them it talks about living what it feels like and what freedom living looks like and freedom feels like and I think of the heaven sounds like and I think about revelations and talk about the sound of praise and that's what we need to say it's that stand up and, and sing with all the gusto of, of praise for our God he has lifted us we are no longer slaves we've got a God who is the God of the impossible and we need to sing and say that stand that and say it sing it live it believe it so let's join I've told Josh he can drum this so you stand and find those diaphragms and get them working and we will sing praise like we truly believe it and we are going to praise our God 